Welcome to the Propane Fitness Podcast. We are here with a man who I had the pleasure of living with for a year, and he is, as much as he'll want to disagree with me, the ultimate athlete. (laughs) So um, he's an accomplished weightlifter, parkourista. Uh, (laughs) 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 Discotech beaster. (laughs) Discotech beaster. And um, he's also 20% more doctor than I am. So, hello. And you're you... quite doctor. I'm only 60% doctor. That's quite a lot of doctor. Seriously, getting there though, yeah. Yeah. It's a good chunk of doctor. What is the term used for <clears throat> someone who does parkour? If you want to be formal about it, tracer or tracer. Tracer. Wow. But we won't go there. We'll just <laughs> parkourista. <laughs> Is the parkourista. Yeah. So the man I'm talking about is Julian Donovan, the parkourista tracer. (laughs) Extravaganza. (laughs) Extraordinaire. Oh, man. You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain. With none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. Hello, Julian. Hello. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Just a bit of background. Yeah, well, I think as a, a little preface, I think you've stolen what I was going to say, which was I feel like a beta version of you coming on here because we've pretty much lived together and hung out together enough to almost be like a just a single unit of thought. But <laughs> you're... It's very true. We have kind of merged into the same person. In yeah, ways, which worryingly is... so. But um, yeah, so I'm doing medicine on the same course as you and... Um, I suppose from a perspective that's relevant for the podcast, um, yeah, I did parkour for about 10 years-ish, sort of on and off, and through being directed down different routes via injury and other bits and pieces, I've done a, a little bit of uh, weightlifting, um, sort of gymnastic type strength work, um, and those are the main things, really. It's being humble, but he's... he's- you're you're pretty good at each of those things. Um, you so so Julian's pretty well known in the the parkour well, community. No, I didn't. Know that. I know he's, he's an absolute big dick. So big like, dick player. What the, <laughs> but what are the things? What are the things? Parkour, weightlifting. Yeah. So parkour, it? weightlifting, um, and then just I did six months of uh, praying mantis kung fu with the angry Liverpudlian, which. I think counts. Praying Mantis Praying Kung Mantis Fu. Kung Fu, yeah. See, in, I didn't know about In this. a village hall for six months. So I'll put that on my CV. That, that, that sounds yeah. intense. It was intense, yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the main things. And Plus, a bit of standy wandies. Bit of handy standy wandies. Um, got that gymnastics? Basically, bits of. yeah, bits of. I suppose it's like, um, I've done quite a lot of things to a very mediocre level and then just left it at that. So generalised. Probably is the best way to put it. Okay. Yeah. So what what are your best lifts in uh, weightlifting? Well, just now, as a picture. Uh, well, life, lifetime. <laughs> of, all time. of all time, only once did I ever clean and jerk one forty, and then pounds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, snatch one oh eight, but that was at a pretty. It is. It's kilos, isn't it? Kilos. Yeah. Just. Because people will be like, oh, <laughs> this is a guy this high. It's the Les Mills, man. They're, they're weights, they're set dumbbells and stuff. Are... Cleaned and jerked just over empty bars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's amazing, mate. But, um... Oh, he can spin around on his bum. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of Vaseline on a good wooden floor, you never know what you can do. So, so the reason we wanted to talk to Julian Hold is... Hold on. What, what? Snatch. 
Snatch, yeah. yeah. One, 108, 108. But my body weight... Did he say that? No, yeah, just word. Just, word. Sorry, just <laughs> away with the fairies, man. <laughs> I think it's because I didn't hear something ending in like a 10, a 5, or a 2.5. Like, <laughs> yeah. I tried, I tried 110 and I, it just didn't go up and I was like, right, I'm done. I'm never going to try more than 108, 108 again in my life. So that was it. When I hear numbers like that, I just think someone hasn't put an M round function in Excel. <laughs> 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 yeah. not put the, was it the ceiling? The M round. Ceiling and floor. M round. Ceiling and floor just creates a programming problem in the future because <laughs> you're going to have a jump. We'll, the, we'll talk about it another time. This is where Johnny's Excel. I, do, I definitely know what you're talking about. What's the most. The years of accountancy. Mental <laughs> thing that you've done in parkour the most mental thing I've done in parkour um, well the thing that scared you the most or looked most impressive that is, that's quite a classic question yeah I think the, the the stock answer that you get given for that is oh parkour's not about doing like mental tricks and blah 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 but that's what your media training told you told yeah you. yeah exactly like if you ever meet a newspaper reporter or something I don't know like the funniest the funniest thing that we did probably it's ages ago now, 2005, we managed to inadvertently on the day of the uh, 9-11 anniversary actually, and we did not have the nous to, to realise it was that, <clears throat> but we'd ordered ninja costumes, um, oh, no. yeah it wasn't great, and um, so we ordered them and we were really excited to just try them out, uh, so we took them into town and there was me and um, there was a few other people who were involved and we got changed in a car park like the shopping mall car park um, just sort of on the second floor or something and as we were getting changed apparently somebody saw us and called the police um, so we put them on and we started running through the town and like just doing stupid shit like jumping off phone boxes and doing like flips and things and then we got to do you know King's Parade with the King's College in Cambridge it's like no. uh, it's like the most iconic part of Cambridge and we were running down there. And then this lady, just because there's so many tourists there, we just heard from next to us, Oh my God, it's Al-Qaeda! <laughs> uh, and she was losing her mind, man. She was going nuts. And then this, uh, these two policemen ran and started shouting at us, Get down, get down, get down. And um, we thought it was a joke at first, but obviously it wasn't, so we got down. Um, <laughs> and then... <laughs> And they'd, uh, whoever called them, they dispatched like this armed police unit to Cambridge, and there was a car with like some guys nursing a couple of like semi-automatics in the back. Nursing a couple of semis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm in your costume. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't help themselves. And then the next day, we were on the front page news as like a terrorist scare in Cambridge. So, right. So, <laughs> I don't know anyone that can answer a question of. What's the craziest thing you've done so quickly? And I can have quite a... Like a like that involves anti-terrorism police. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's quite memorable, I guess, because I went yeah. into the, the newspaper thing and I saw my face on it on the front page. I was like, that's a bit weird. Were you wearing that's a ninja it. mask at the time? Yeah, I was, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's understandable. You took a photo. There was time for them to run around and... Yeah, I can't remember, actually. I think a guy did come no a guy came and he was like do you mind if I take a picture and I said yeah go on then so I've only got myself what to blame for that really so, yeah what a sneaky mm, man mm. yeah and he wrote a whole thing about it and everything wow but um, yeah so that was that was good but generally speaking I'm probably in the parkour like well definitely in the parkour community side of things I am a bit of a, a lamezoid in terms of doing very very like nuts things the stuff that you see on YouTube and things now I guess with perspective because when we started back in 2003 and our like baptism into parkour was jumping off 
a little mobile ruse in a school and we were like oh this is rad and that was the coolest thing ever and then a couple of years later like we saw the first sort of wall flip and it was before YouTube like it didn't even exist then um, everything was just on forums and people would download like mp4 files and like .mov or whatever and you'd open it in your Windows movie player massive text descriptions of how yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and very grainy like pictures showing like a blurred man taking off in an aerial and you having to like decipher it for the technique but so yeah like stuff that you see now like I remember when uh, do you know what a palm flip is like just the first thing that's coming to my head no uh, yeah so it's like where you um, you run up to a wall and then you sort of it's really hard to explain that because you dive into it and you, with your hands, you perform a back somersault. Like doing a wall flip with your legs. So you run up to a wall, plant both palms on the wall, That's and right. then do a back flip off the wall. Yeah. It looks mental. So your legs come up through where your through, arms are. Yeah, so yeah, yeah exactly. Like, if you clipped your toe on the wall, then you'd be... <laughs> <laughs> blood everywhere, all over oh. your face. So, yeah. although it doesn't strictly fall within the, like, the parkour remit or whatever... It was that was quite a way down the line after we started, and that was nuts. Now that is like basic. Well, well this basic is what's happened stuff. to the sports. All of the gymnastic, tricking, martial arts, uh, break dancing, all those yes. kind of sports have kind of merged and grown in such an unpredictable way. The same as like modern music genres have as well, because suddenly you've got access to everybody all at once. You get some mm. nutters that can just you do get take some things to the end. Nutters. Yeah. Always Russians that live in the <laughs> States and yeah. have nothing to do but just yeah. fly around. Do you remember the do you remember a video called Davinsky Clan? Um, no. With a guy called Oleg. Uh, I remember Oleg. Yeah. We, we can put him in the show notes. On oh, we should definitely put him in because he's a funny dude. Shout out to Oleg. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that video was nuts. It was him like running around on rooftops, like rusty, horrible, like tetanus ridden Russian buildings with like dogs chasing him and things <laughs> like this. And uh, that was a rad video. He's actually just escaping rabies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just a de- it's like I think someone just filmed in like day in the life of uh, a Russian young person, and he's just that's just how he does. There's, a, there's something I can't remember where I saw it. There's a black guy absolutely shredded in France doing parkour and he was teaching I think the, the TV oh, presenters oh Sebastian Foucault probably yeah sounds right yeah. <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> he said a French name so. yeah 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 he's Mr. Parkour he's is he yeah. he's the guy that he is a big parkour man yeah so right. him and like I can give you a really really brief breakdown of parkour history it's quite interesting the um that gets picked up by the most oh does it <laughs> okay <laughs> I won't touch I don't even anything. Want to it. Don't, don't I'll, touch I'll just, the microphone. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll stop breathing for the rest of it. Just gesticulating on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, who you were referring to, yeah, Sebastian Foucault, him and his childhood friend David Bell kind of came up with parkour. And this was back in Flip, I'm trying to remember now, 70s, I think, or the 80s perhaps. But David Bell, his dad, spent a lot of time in Vietnam um, and... Became, was like a very physical person and uh, took a lot of his training into trying to be more sort of resilient and more physically capable while he was in Vietnam working there and things uh, in quite a dodgy time. And when David Bell was growing up, his dad would teach him a lot of these like techniques and mindsets and things. And then David Bell went into the the army, uh, went into the military and basically became like the king of the obstacle courses there. So he was... He was like sort of the obstacle course champion, the rope climbing champion and stuff. And then he wanted to leave the army because it was too restrictive, quite disciplined, um, wanted more freedom than that. But he took that element of obstacle coursing, which is where like parkour's 
uh, spelt slightly differently comes from. It's like obstacle coursing, essentially. Took that from the army and then created a whole discipline out of it. And then the whole thing is like grown into how do you get from A to B regardless of what's in your way. So that's like the, the original true parkour, just going from one place to another. Doesn't matter what's in your way in a quick, efficient, safe manner. But then from that, like free running, which I guess is Sebastian Foucault's sort of baby, that was an offshoot. And that's a much more a stylistic, maybe free, freely expressive form of something that has the same root in parkour. So that's kind of really brief. And then there's the Yamakaze as well, um, who were involved, but they were another group of like French dudes. But yeah, I won't go too much into it. That's right, kind of so it's kind of an background. offshoot and one is stylistic and they've all, and I suppose all yeah, these things have evolved. Yeah, It's really, to be honest, I'm, because I'm so far out of the parkour world at the moment, uh, I don't really dare say too much about it because I think it's evolved so much. So I'm, I'm still quite a few years behind in my thinking, but regardless, yeah, you've got parkour and free running and they are fairly distinct as the general consensus, but... Cool. So yeah. you, you've basically overcome a couple of um, health adversities as well in your training and you've had to adapt the way that you train. And I've, yes. seen, I've seen this process happen over the last few couple of years where... Um, so Julian fractured his T10, his, his, uh, well, one, remembers. Of his, one of his vertebrae doing a charity event which was a thousand backflips in a day uh it was oh my. it was 440 <laughs> each so oh yeah, well, that's fine yeah. then i mean <laughs> fractured your spine yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that's that was sort of my first well my second injury that really put me out for a while um because i know that you've got we've got quite similar back issues quite interchangeable it sounds like but yeah can you talk about how you, how that happened? How I buggered it up, yeah. So my friend Owen, who, so back in the day, um, I don't know if you had this, probably powerlifting didn't have like crews and, and like, <laughs> like I don't know, nicknames and stuff for each other. No. So <laughs> I think that would have been much better if it did. <laughs> yeah, pretty boring sport. Like, you lay everything out on a spreadsheet. And yeah. You go, you, you, you go left loads of weights by yourself. And then by the end of a 12-week mesocycle, you have 102% of your marks in the Oh man! Well, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, call each other by their full names. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, back in the day, with my friend who was known as PK Jumpster King, that was his. That was his self-given name. Um, oh, he chose that name for himself. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant, man. It's class. Won't know a word against him. But he organised a charity event for my family's charity. Uh, which has now grown a bit, called New Foundations. Shout out, Rui. And uh, the the event was essentially, how many backflips can we do in four hours? 400 each, okay, ballpark figure. So he said, are you up for it? I said, okay. Four other people got involved. And we just congregated again at King's Parade and did 440, I believe, each. That was a while ago now, that was 2008, in four hours. But I just thought, you know, a backflip is quite easy to do. So 440, if you spread out every day, must be pretty simple. But I ended up absolutely wrecking myself. Um, and then since then, yeah, I've had to... You were going to say something. Uh, well, even without injury, like you just... The, the piercing abs doms from... Oh, the weirdest like, abs doms though. Extended I, and flexed again. Yeah, I couldn't hang from a bar uh, because I, I felt like I was going to have a cesarean section or something <laughs> indirectly. It was a weird feeling. But um, essentially, that's like the the time when I thought okay I can't do high impact jumping sort of parkour stuff anymore I need to diversify so I really got interested in the lifting and weirdly against that's a classic story isn't it like against all the advice of 
you know, doctors or whatever, back squatting and pulling stuff from the floor just made me feel, it basically cleared me up, like cleared up my back injury. Um, and then since then, for the past eight years, it's been just a case of management on and off. But it's a journey where you just start to realise how much of it is sort of tied into your mindset and psychological as well. Something you've been quite good at that I've I've been much slower to learn this lesson is taking the ego hit with certain movements. For example, oh, uh, con- conventional deadlifts for you, you've been like, you know what, these cause me issues. I'm not going to take. I'm not going to take the piss with them. Whereas one of a uh, recent video log, if you check a few weeks back about five tips for training around injury that I did, <clears> it just talks about that lesson of um, not trying to bang your head against a wall. Yeah. I think the sooner you learn that lesson, the less pain you can. Uh, well, the more the more you can save yourself from future pain. Definitely, I'm definitely a big culprit for that as well. Though it's taken a lot for me to think I need to chill out on this. And actually, take I say it takes a lot. It just takes one tweak, and then I'm out for a month and I can't do anything. That's usually what stops me from training. But yeah, now I'm a bit more sensible about it. And I think it's I don't know. In some ways, it's quite valuable having sort of a chronic injury in a weird way because you do learn. Well, it's valuable for us when you you speak to other people and like you as well. I guess Johnny as well. Like with other people who've got injuries and things because yeah it's that whole thing of you know if you do have a back injury in particular and after say three or four months even if it's a fracture technically it should have healed the structure should have really started to heal and physiologically get better but you've still got the pain so you start thinking well what's going on there and then years on you think oh well obviously it's not a structural thing but there's still that persisting threat notion yeah yeah and then you know there's the whole argument against mris because if you mri a huge amount of the population then a massive number of them will have clearly weird things going on but be completely asymptomatic so the mindset thing of it and learning how to like psychologically get over the pain not get over it but to reduce like you said the threat perception and to make your back trust certain movements which it previously has felt will threaten it and will set it off and like it's such a gradual process and without that for me whenever I don't have that ego check and I just want to dive straight back into things I just want to always destroy myself (laughs) So I've had to really scale things back um, and even learning, trying to learn how to bridge and just giving up deadlifting altogether. Yeah, there's certain things that you just think, I don't really need to do this, so why am I doing it? And asking that question of why, like with deadlifts in particular, I thought, well, that's the best way to get strong, just globally. And you think, well, why do you want to get strong? Well, because uh, it feels good, essentially, and it, it helps, like you can rationalise it helps with like, jumping power and hip extension and things like this. And then you dig down a bit deep and it's like, well, I, I don't know, I'm just kind of doing it because I have been for ages and it's it's the dumb thing. So maybe I should just get rid of that. And then after you do, then you can just put it to the side and not not worry about not doing it anymore. And then- It takes a lot of self-honesty to get to that point. It's taken me ages, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be like, you know what? I really, I'm being an idiot by yeah. continuing to do this. So you've had the back injury. Mm. That's been something that you've had to work around. How have you adapted your training and your goals to to now work around that? With the back injury? Yeah. So to be honest, if I could, I would still be training in a similar way that I had been when I was really into parkour. I'd still be doing parkour, but I just can't do it. I, I get about an hour. So what was your training looking like? So, uh, well, maybe it would be slightly different. This is one thing actually, which... I think maybe some of your listeners won't have come from the background 
or from the perspective that people who do parkour have, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, because some because this is kind of a retarded thing that we used to think back in the day. So parkour previously was very much about challenge for the sake of challenge, and that is valuable and it's good in itself. And it increasingly, I think it's something that I've lost out on actually. So I feel like although I've gained more understanding and more knowledge about the science and the practice, um, to steal the name of that book, of strength training and of sort of training in general. Um, it means that things that we used to do, like certain challenges, we had something called Hell Night, which you'd have every every week. And that was... <laughs> every week? Yeah, just once a week. <laughs> once a week, there was a night called Hell Night. And that was uh, coined by a guy called Chris Roat, who's a beast, so shout out to him. And that was just... That was generally about three hours. And it, they started sort of popping up around the UK in parkour communities. And that would be usually around three hours on an evening. For some reason, Thursday was usually it. When some guys would, guys and girls would get together and just set themselves stupid challenges. Stupid from a point of view of why are you doing this? What, what adaptations you hope to get from it? But just challenge for the sake of challenge. Like, okay, here's a wall. Let's climb up and down it a hundred times with a weight vest on and then straight after that go to a rail and you have to traverse along it 50 times and then there's a set of stairs like a set of 50 steps you've got to crawl up backwards 30 times just stuff to do until you you almost want to cry um and now i wouldn't really do that because i think what am i getting out of this mm. like I, it's more there's more utility to having yeah like a spreadsheet and being very sensible about it and getting your rest periods down and everything like this. But on the flip side, you lose that kind of, you lose that sort of hunger to go and do just a, a crazy, silly challenge, which I really like from the parkour perspective. And there are still guys who are doing that. And one good example was um, the parkour generations guys did a thousand muscle ups each um, in, and they, they had, they gave themselves 24 hours to do it. And they, I think they took about 22 hours. One guy broke his rib um, and just kept going. The muscle up is when, um, for anyone that doesn't know, you do a pull up and then get your head and body over the bar again. So, yeah, almost so you, like into a dip, isn't it? Yeah, so you yeah. go from a dead hang into a kind of top of a dip position mm. on a bar. Which is like a disgusting thing to do <laughs> a thousand times and you think, why the heck do I want to do that? But there's a sort of mental aspect from it and a camaraderie that you get from it and um, yeah some sort of more implicit uh, benefits which you can't really quantify which I think are missing from very prescriptive programming which now is what I tend to do for myself so I'll have like a very structured routine and I'll go through that mm. but I'm missing out on these I don't think you've adopted I don't think you've become boring in your mindset though and it's something that I think is always very stark when I hear you talk we'll be walking along the street and you'll be looking at like a, a crane or like a, a bridge or something and you'll just be like oh I better climb up that or like and we'll, I better climb up that yeah. Batman out here <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well you, you did on a, on a night out a couple of weeks ago there was a bit of scaffolding and I, I turned around for a second and then turned around again and you were just on top of the it's got to be done <laughs> it's like that. I imagine that was unsettling for you yeah definitely it was, so, how did you react um, fear you shouted him fear <laughs> Julian get down here you're very naughty right now <laughs> so that that, asp that is uh, an element of someone a streak of 
people's mindset that you see a lot with um, with certain, I think, trickers particularly. Yeah, as you've well. still got that back from your tricking as well. I'm, you? I'm not as mental though. Like I think I'm, I'm very much like I want to be on a, a normal sprung floor, <laughs> padded things everywhere. Whereas like yeah, that that mindset is difficult to develop if you've been constantly yeah. training in a very structured way. I think the um, I think a lot of it came from again like this uh, looking up to the the French practitioners back in the day, and I remember. I went to um, Holland to do to participate in a like a massive workshop. I was helping teach at one quite a while ago now, but there were some French practitioners there, and there was one guy who was sort of um, I guess looking after them because he'd come with them as like a contingent. And after we had uh, this full day, like full full day of training at the end, and I was like, "Wow, man, that was a that was a good day for it," and we got a lot done. And he was like, "Oh." You know, if we are in France, uh, if it is real training, the people, they will come out and they will be crying. They won't be laughing like this. Mm. And uh, it is not real training. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite like this style, actually. But <laughs> So like, there was an underlying thing. of, um, And then you'd hear legendary stories of crazy feats of, of strength and endurance. Um, and Stefan Vigro was another guy who, when he released a documentary showing his training, which was just unbelievable amounts of repetition, it would be a precision jump, which is essentially jumping from one place to another and landing without overbalancing. So like you land on a rail and you stick it. So he'd set himself like a challenge of 500 of those. And if you fall off, you have to start again oh. at the beginning. And then that just completely changed everyone's mindset in the UK. And they were like, right. <laughs> It's all about like jumping from his place to that place a thousand times a day. And on the same day, me and my friend Jason went out, found some scaffolding. He did 500 pull-ups. I did, I think, 250 muscle-ups. And then for the next few years, we were just training like that without thinking, without using our brains, really. So It's a very monastic, kind of well, masochistic yeah. monk-like mm. it was behaviour. But I'm sure it, it, I'm sure it builds character. But <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely destroys, like, social... Scaffolding. I think that's the part that I... Scaffolding. Like, it's, so, like to the chin ups, what was it? Muscle ups and yeah. So he did he did uh, chin ups, like right. five hundred chin ups. Um, I think a lot it was of just the, arbitrary, man. It's just so arbitrary. Yeah, I think there is like the certainly the element of like random challenge and yeah, like, looking at something and thinking I can't do that or that's going to be nuts. Mm. It's probably more CrossFit. It's probably the nearest thing in the fitness industry. That's true. Yeah, like you know whatever. I don't know what. Um, like Even Greece then. and Fran. Because you walk in, it's like, what's this wad going to be? Yeah. And you think, there's oh, an man. element of like, oh. <laughs> it's not. It is scary, but it's a controlled environment. Yeah. Stuff. Like, it's yeah. the use this, you know, it's going to be barbells or kids mm-hmm. or whatever. Whereas this is like, you're walking along a bridge and he'll come out with something mental, just like, oh, um, why, why don't you jump off that and then climb up this and you're like that wasn't even mm. featuring on my list of yeah. options you like... just changes how you look at things <laughs> I suppose. terrifying mm. oh, 